We're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and this morning I want to look at the significance of Pentecost and much of what happened at Pentecost does apply to us. Some of the things I will say will be uh, in review, and it's good to repeat things just so they'll be etched on your minds and your memories and your heart as uh, some things are extremely important. But what I want us all to do is just to be amazed, to be amazed at what God did and what he is still doing, his mighty works as we looked last week, how he used these simple people uh, to glorify himself and to just to be in awe. Let us be in awe at our God and, uh, and what Jesus did. And I think that's what all this was about. It's what Jesus not only did, but what he is still doing in our midst. And uh, there are two errors I want to mention to avoid, I think. And that one error is uh, thinking that the Holy Spirit uh, came on the scene in the New Testament, that he was not working in the Old Testament, but we know from Scripture that he, that he was. And there are verses that people use to, to try to teach that he wasn't uh, active, but uh, we find a verse in John seven thirty nine uh, that says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not <clears throat> yet <clears throat> been glorified. And again, what he's saying is, had not come with great power. Because you go and read in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was uh, at work. And, and uh, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be regenerated. Abraham had faith. That faith did not come from Abraham. It was created in God through uh, regeneration by the Holy Spirit. I believe that. If you want to hold to something else, uh, you're welcome to that interpretation. But that's the way uh, I see the scriptures uh, speaking logically. And it, uh, salvation is not from us, never has been, and never could be because all men are dead in their trespasses and sins. We find here even Stephen in in Acts chapter 7 saying, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now remember they stoned Stephen after he said this. You always, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And... uh, <clears throat> and he goes on to say other things there, but he says, your fathers resisted the Holy Spirit, and so do you. And so the Holy Spirit was active, and he still is active, praise God to, for that. But we find here at Pentecost, there's a greater measure of the Holy Spirit that is poured out on these people. We see that uh, in the boldness that these people had, like Peter and Stephen and other disciples who spoke with boldness 
And sometimes with that boldness came persecution, even being fed to lions uh, at times. Though it was great persecution. So anyway, uh, up until this time, if you want to look at it this way, uh, the faucet had not been turned all the way on, but the faucet was dripping. Okay? There was regeneration going on. The Holy Spirit was active. But now he is really really involved in the lives of those that uh, he deals with. As Paul said, it's Christ in me. Uh, uh, Christ's presence is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us, in a way that was never in the Old Testament. They did not have the infilling of Christ himself in the old, they were regenerated, but not filled with Christ. And uh, so we have a tremendous advantage, do we not? We have the power of the Holy Spirit that we live by. Christ in us, by his great power, uh, works in us uh, and through us. In Romans 8, chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, Paul says. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and he does, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, now notice, Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, they do not belong to Christ. The Spirit, in verse 15, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. See, there's a special relationship we have. It's sonship. We've been adopted. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, in a way that the Old Testament saints, I don't think, got. And it wasn't in that, in that measure. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so let's give him praise. But uh, the Spirit of God is all, and like I said last week, he hovered over the waters. And so the second area, the second era, is to think that Pentecost is a repeatable event. That every time we meet on Sunday, we need a Pentecost. Well, no, that was a unique time in the history of the church. And uh, uh, we, as God's children, though, can, be pr- can pray to be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, now it's interesting, on the day of Pentecost, what did people say these people were acting like? Drunkards. So Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So we can be filled with the Spirit. And that filling... Uh, I mean, we're like sieves. You know, you pour water into a sieve and it's full. And we need to continually, and Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just you get full and you're full forever. No, there is a, there is a, every day, a be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost was unique. It was a one time happening with signs and wonders that we looked at last week. And uh, so, uh, P- 
Pentecost was never meant to be duplicated. I'm talking about the event. Now, some of the things that happened at Pentecost, the filling of the Spirit, for instance, uh, yes, it does go on today. Uh, it would uh, Remember, Jesus died once. Jesus does not die again every time you have Mass. But there's those that teach that. Oh, yeah, he dies, and you're actually drinking his, his body, I mean, uh, eating his body and drinking his flesh and so forth. No, it was a one-time event. It's unique. But the effects still go on, uh, do they not? And when we take communion, it's a picture of what took place for our benefit. And so uh, he's come. The Holy Spirit is here. And he is still working powerfully in the hearts of his children. And uh, he can work powerfully in your heart. So don't ever say just because when we come on Sunday there, there's not uh, the same event that happened at Pentecost that we can't be filled with the Spirit. That's not true. Paul says you can be. Be being filled, he says. Anyway, uh, we find some facts regarding Pentecost was, first of all, it was fulfill, fulfillment of God-given prophecy. We find that in uh, as, as Joel uh, chapter 2, he qu- quotes from there. Also, you can find uh, the fulfillment of outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Isaiah 32, 44, 59, Ezekiel 11, 18, 36, 37, and other places that I'm not going to. But this was something that was prophesied to happen. We read that, do we not, in Joel 2. And uh, they knew that one day there would be a great outpouring of God's Spirit. And uh, this was that event. Uh, Also, it was the realization of God-given pictures of types and shadows and symbols. Remember, God had ordained pictures and symbols uh, to represent the realities to come, the event to come. The whole sacrificial system of the lambs and so forth pointed to spiritual reality. Uh, It was the real to come. It was a picture of that. And this was part of the fulfillment of that, the Pentecost itself. at Pentecost, as we saw last week, there was the ingathering. The picture was the ingathering of the harvest, uh, of what God was going to do. And the fulfillment of that was what? The ingathering of 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. And so we can see the fulfillment of these types and shadows. It was a harvest of souls, the first fruits. I talked about that. And so now... Uh, you don't go, we don't go to, as Christians, believers, filled with the Spirit of God, having the Spirit of Christ in us, we don't go to a temple. There is no temple. Why? We are the temple of God. Never forget that, that you are where God dwells. We don't go, and, and it's really interesting because they talk about the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, I thought I was. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the end time things, but think about that. You are, 
And to me, that's kind of going backward since we are the temple of God, but I'm not going to, that's another discussion for another day. And I'm not sure you're going to ever solve it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you know, Paul says, that you, you yourselves, that's pretty clear, right? Double you, <laughs> you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Pretty, pretty clear. Also, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. do you not know that your bodies are, are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. And so remember that. Uh, The church is God's temple. Who's the church? We are. This building is not not the temple. We're the temple. And um, so we we find that uh, Pentecost was a fulfillment of God's promises and uh, uniting us, uniting all those that were there and continues to unite. The Spirit of God is uniting God's people uh, uh, through his infilling and his uh, great work in us. Next week, I want to look at the content, more the content of Peter's sermon, but this week, I want to talk about the... uh, uh, the characteristics of his sermon. And this is found uh, from 14 through 41. Uh, So what we have here in in Peter's sermon is a sermon that is a spirit-filled sermon. This is what you would say is spirit-filled preaching. So what is spirit-filled preaching? That's what I want to really deal with and uh, I think you as individuals can have spirit filled witnessing to those that you know you can have spirit filled witnessing and uh, uh, God uses that and so God used Peter here on this particular day Uh, by the way the first mark of spirit filled preaching you might say is well, wait a minute, it takes about two minutes to read, this, uh, to read this sermon. So that means the first mark is sermons are short, right? No, if you notice in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, so I'm, I'm not letting you off easy here. He says, and with many other words, Peter testified uh, and exhorted them, saying, so with many other words, this is just a summary of what Peter had to say. So don't think the first mark of a, of a, a spirit-filled sermon is that it's short. It can be, and it doesn't have to be long to be spirit-filled either. Okay? But uh, that's just an interesting point one commentator mentioned. But this is a summary of what he preached. Uh, this, I think... His preaching here is an example of what preaching should look look like. Uh, he was spirit-filled, we know. That's found in verse 4 of chapter 2, when all the people there were filled with uh, the Spirit. Uh, also, we find this uh, preaching was prayerfully 
premeditated, prayerfully premeditated. And I think preaching ought to be premeditated in the sense that you know where you're going, you know what you want to say, what your emphasis is going to be. It's uh, uh, studying the scriptures. And remember from uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, as we saw last week, that it says God had opened his mind to understand the scriptures. And so we need to pray, God, open my mind to be able to understand your word so I can digest it and, and take it in. And so this is what God is, is doing now in the midst of these people. He had been studying. And uh, uh, the scriptures, all of a sudden, to these men, because they were now filled with the Spirit, comes alive. Absolutely, just they go, wow. For the first time in their life, they're reading the Old Testament and saying, there's Jesus. There's Jesus over here. There's Jesus there. It comes alive. God has opened their understanding that Jesus truly is and was the Messiah when he was with them. So the first mark, I think, or really the second mark, besides being filled with God's Spirit or filled with His Word, is to be filled with Scripture. Thus saith the Lord. It is not thus saith Sid. Even though I will comment on it, there are other ways to interpret than the way I comment. But this is God's Word. And so you hear it. You say, God, open this and speak to me. Make me more like Jesus. Okay? Even though you may disagree with some way I've interpreted it, it's still God's word. And so Peter, when these scriptures start coming alive, he goes, wow, let me show you this. Wow, let me. And I'm sure he showed them a lot more scriptures than what we have recorded here. Matter of fact, it probably went on this preaching for several hours. I wouldn't have been. And uh, I'm not going to do that. But uh, they couldn't get enough. You know, remember the old saying, you can't get enough of those sugar crisps? They couldn't get enough because it was like candy to them. It was sweet. It was like honey. And it just, they were just, they realized that Jesus, Jesus is the real deal. He is what we have been waiting for all these years. And... uh, and Joel chapter uh, uh, 2 is where he quotes from. And it says in verse 17, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 2 of Acts, he says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, again, notice, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, so this was in the hearing of these people. 
And what do we think about the, uh, uh, the moon uh, turning into blood and the sun into darkness? Well, there are a lot of interpretations about that. Some were saying what Peter was saying here was, wow, just as that physically would wow you, the moon turning into to blood and the sun being darkened, the Holy Spirit coming is just going to be such a wowing effect on your life. Or it could be speaking later on of uh, what will happen in the last days when the, the uh, sun is darkened and so forth. Some interpret this as happening at the destruction of, of Jerusalem when the smoke went up and it, it made the, the uh, uh, moon look like blood. and so, so you can read all about all of that. But we do know one thing. The Spirit of God was poured out. And that's what we should receive from this. Not worrying about all the little, well, this could be that and that could be that. And that's fine to do. But the main thing is, is the Spirit of God been poured out in your life? Is it in you? Is He changing you? Is He convicting you of sin? Are you becoming more like Christ? That's the main thing. It's amazing how we can get off on little side streets here and, and go down these little rabbit trails and I suffer with that and we miss, we miss what, Paul, what Peter's trying to say here and he's saying it's about Jesus he, he, Peter turns to Psalm 16 verses 25 and, and 33 uh, beginning in verse 20 uh, you know, make sure I get the right text here yes from, quoting from Psalm 16 he says I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. And so what Peter is saying here, this is speaking of Christ. This is speaking of Jesus. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. David who wrote this saw corruption. So it's not speaking about David. Peter saw, wow, this is Jesus who did not see corruption. And so he's telling these people, uh, who is this Jesus? You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And so very clearly he's speaking of, of Christ. Also in verses 34 and 35 of Acts 2, he says, And David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Peter says he was speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus. And so what Peter's saying here, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to understand who this Jesus is that was with us and among us. And uh, it's that it's that important. Uh, so the people listening go, you know what? I was, a, I'm an enemy of Jesus. Not only that, I crucified him. I was there shaking my fist at him and crucify him, crucify him. Wow! So it stirred up in them what? What must must I do to be saved? Because you know what? I don't want to be an enemy of God. And so the same Holy Spirit will work in our hearts 
and he'll, he'll show us our wickedness and he'll say, that's wrong, and we'll go, well, so what? So what? You don't really care about it. Yeah, he does. He cares about our lives and, and uh, the sin in our life. We're going to look at that later on, but uh, a sermon should be filled with the word of God, and Peter's was to be to be uh, spirit-filled. It's got to be uh, full of God's word. It says in Ephesians 5, be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, it says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Let his word dwell in your heart. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with his word. You see the two go together. You cannot separate the Holy Spirit from his word. So I'm telling you this morning, listen to his word. <coughs> listen to his word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Rich. Not the words of me. I'm just an instrument that God is using to give out his word and his truth, uh, as I see in God's word. Also, Peter's sermon was Christ-centered, and as I've already mentioned that. He mentions here in verse uh, uh, 23, uh, the sovereignty of God and man's responsibility side by side. Uh, he talks about Christ's death, uh, that it was... Uh, a preordained plan of God. And he talks about Christ's burial and resurrection in verse and ascension in verse 33. His, his enthronement of Christ, verse 34. He pr brings out his humanity and his deity beginning in verse 22. And he carries that over uh, throughout the rest of his sermon when he talks about uh, uh, Christ being the Holy One. In other words, he was, he was God. And so his sermon should was full of Christ. And so that's what our witnessing ought to be with our lives full of Christ, telling other people about Christ. Don't come to our church because it's a great church and you can be entertained there and there's a big band and we got basketball courts. and That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. And that's been forgotten today so sadly. It's about Jesus. Peter was all about Jesus. Paul was all about Jesus. We should be all about Jesus. And, and it's just that simple. It's nothing. You know, this is not uh, uh, brain surgery at all. And yet God must work on our brains. Uh, John fifteen twenty six says... When Jesus said, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about, there's such an emphasis today on the Holy Spirit. The Holy, well, the Holy Spirit always points men to Christ. Christ. It's the Spirit of Christ. Uh, now, the Holy Spirit's important. He's been poured out on the church. But he always points men uh, to Christ. John 16, 12 through 14. I have much more to say to you, more than you can 
now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will, in other words, when he comes in power at Pentecost, he will guide you into all the truth. He, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify whom? Me. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. It's all about Jesus. I think I've said that, haven't I? And that's what it ought to be in your life. It ought to be all about Jesus. Everything you do needs to be Christ-centered. Your thoughts, your actions. You know, uh, sometimes we'll be watching a, a show, and the show will turn bad. You know, and you thought it was going to be a good, and all of a sudden you go, this is not wholesome. We just have to turn it off. Or you sit there and watch it. Is that God honoring? No, it's not. But anyway, Peter's sermon was also authoritatively bold. Peter had experienced a great transformation. He had become bold. We need to become bold because we've been transformed by that same spirit. And Peter did not say here, you know, now this is my opinion. Uh, other people have other opinions. And uh, whatever opinion you have, uh, no, he didn't say that. He said, thus saith the Lord. This is what the scriptures teach. This is God's word. You better hear it. Uh, and again, hear God's word. Let God's word speak to you. And then when God's word speaks to you, don't, as, as, as Stephen says there in his sermon later on in Acts 7, he says, you've always been resisting the Holy Spirit. You know, we can resist the Holy Spirit. He can speak to you and show you plainly what's truth and you can reject it. I don't like that in God's word. Oh, I, no, that, whoo, that just runs, I'm not going to accept that. And yet, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. We need to hear from God. What God's Word said, it says. And uh, hear it, it's from God. And so he, he had great boldness when he stood up. And uh, now, if y'all want to hear this, that's fine. But, you know, and it's my opinion that this is what this, no. I, he declared the truth about Christ with great boldness. Also, uh, it was very rational. Uh, it had sound reasoning. He used the scriptures. Uh, he appealed, if you will, to their minds. Uh, uh, this was doctrine that they could comprehend and understand. It made sense. It was intellectually understood by these people. And they received it. Now, later on, when, when Stephen preached, filled with the Holy Spirit, what did they do? Stoned him to death. And so not every time, if you even go out and your spirit filled, it doesn't mean that you're going to be received and that lives are going to be changed. Uh, not at all. But uh, nonetheless, in this case, the Peter was... You know, Peter could have gone out and preached this. They could have stoned him. Said, you're You're crazy. We're not receiving this. Boom, you're dead, like they did with Stephen. But the Holy Spirit had been poured out, 
and God was working in such a miraculous way. Uh, and and uh, not only that, Peter's sermon was practical. Uh, it answered two questions. What is happening here? What does this mean? And uh, he pointed them to Christ, as I've already mentioned. And then if it's, what shall we do? What shall we do? Uh, what shall we do? Uh, and what does he say? Repent and be baptized. Show your allegiance to Christ. Repent and be baptized. Show your allegiance to the one whom you rejected. That's what we need to do. We need to show our allegiance uh, to our Lord and our Savior. Notice that this preaching also, a characteristic of it was, uh, Peter did not preach in the third person. He preached in the second person. Now, you remember from English, do you not? You have uh, I, you, I, first person, you, second person, he, she, it, third person, right? Paul did not, I mean, Paul, Peter did not speak in he, she, or it. This is something that you need, he says. You are guilty of this. Did you see that? In verse 22 of Acts 2, he says, to you, he says, as you yourselves also know. And then verse 29, he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you, second person. In other words, you are guilty of crucifying Jesus. So you, you better do something about this. This is not like, well, you can take it or leave it. Uh, it's something that happened and it's, no, no, you, he says. And we need to tell people that you need to repent. You are the ones who crucified the Lord of glory. And uh, we're guilty. We're all guilty. Our sins, your sins, my sins, placed Jesus on the cross. Do you realize that? On the cross, your sins that you commit were placed upon him, and he died for your sins. Not just died for sins, he died for your sins. He's paid for your sins. All your sins are, are under the blood, are forgiven in Christ. What should that make us do then as his children? Serve him, worship him, bow to him, love him, adore him, be wowed about him. To just be in complete awe. That's what was happening on the day of Pentecost. These people were wowed. We need to be wowed, brethren. We need to be wowed. Um, I hope we are. I really do. I hope we are. I hope we see, uh, as Paul said of himself, I am the chief of sinners. Can you say that about yourself? That you're the chief of sinners? Do you see yourself as the chief of sinners who needs Jesus? If not, you need to check up because let me tell you, you are the chief of sinners. And it's only by his grace, it's only by his mercy that you're saved. 
by trusting him totally and completely. Isn't that what Jesus uh, meant when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. What did he mean? You've got to associate completely with me because it's all about me. Your life is in me. Have you done that in your own life? Are you trusting Christ and Him alone? Are you, are you, do you ask daily, Lord, fill me with your Spirit that I might have power to live the Christian life? Something for all of us to search our hearts about. And that we might go away from here Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Not man-centered. Christ-centered. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Peter and how you used him on the day of Pentecost. That you had opened his understanding and that you had shown him from the Old Testament Christ everywhere. Lord, may we see Christ in everything that we do. That he is our all in all. That we might live for him and that we might be filled with his, with his spirit. Lord, uh, we fall short every day. I confess, Lord, every day I fall short of the glory of God. And Lord, I need, I need your filling. Even right now, God, may our focus be upon him. May we look to him for all of our needs. Because we are needy people. We're chief of sinners. Saved by grace and grace alone. We don't bring anything uh, to you, Lord, except our sin. Because you are our righteousness. You are the only one that we need. Work in our hearts to believe that. In Jesus' name, amen.